Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we're pleased to welcome Hitesh Bindra, an associate professor from the School of Nuclear Engineering here at Purdue University. So welcome, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. We appreciate you, we appreciate your time. Yeah. And uh, nuclear engineering is a topic we've not covered yet oh. on our podcast. We've been going for uh, three years now, and that's mm -hmm. one we've not uh, we, we've not had a guest that's involved in the, the nuclear industry. Can I say industry? right? And so it's we're kind of excited yeah. about this. It, it's, it's, this is going to be unique for us. Well, thank you for reaching out to my school people, and you know, and I, 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 this is a good opportunity for for me to you know represent my school. So I'll be happy to uh, to provide the information that uh, would be useful for the campus and uh, community outside. Well, I think hey, all right. So the first question is the obvious: you know, what is nuclear power, right? And so we hear about nuclear energy. Mm -hmm. And stuff, and you even hear about nuclear submarines and yeah, everything else. Right. It, but it, I don't know how many people really understand what that means. And so, uh, yeah, can you explain that first. Sure, sure. And uh, before, so before I actually tell you about nuclear power and nuclear energy, I would love to basically introduce the topic of nuclear reactions. And I'll, for that, basically, I'll take you also to chemical reactions. So about, let us say, thousands of years ago, humans, uh, they discovered fire, right? And fire is one of the oldest kind of chemical reaction. What is that fire? Fire is basically that uh, it's a interaction between the atoms, but only the electrons around the atoms. So an atom basically has a nucleus and then electrons around that. So, and with fire, we have been doing, our civilization has evolved a lot, you know, uh, several civilizations have evolved around, around fire and the humans have done a lot of things with fire, you know, and um, th about 300 years ago, we basically made burning of coal, uh, producing fire, then you produce steam, then you generate power to run the locomotives, and then basically we're, we're able to generate electricity from that. And that's how we have started making electricity. Now, like I said, in the fire, which is a chemical reaction, we are talking about electrons which are surrounding the nucleus. So interactions are between the electrons of two different atoms surrounding the nucleus. About 60 years ago, uh, I would say not 60, um, uh, 60 years ago would be from time I started working on this field, uh, about 80 years ago now. And um, uh, we discovered nuclear reactions, like uh, fully understood you know, what, uh, what the nucleus, how the nuclei going inside the nucleus of the atom, how nucleons interact with other nucleons or how subatomic particles interact with the nucleus of a cell. So that's basically where we are not talking about electrons anymore. We're talking about nuclear re reaction where nucleus is involved. So that was 80 years ago. Now, going from thousands of years of history of knowing chemical reactions, it took us about 1700, 1800, or you know, th again, thousands of years to actually get to the point of making power from that fire, a chemical reaction. Whereas 
from nuclear reactions, which barely understood only for 80 years, we have come a long way in those 80 years. And I'll tell you now basically what is nuclear power. So when you have that, uh, that subatomic particle interacting with the nucleon, nucleons inside the nucleus, the amount of energy which is released is significantly higher per amount for each atom as compared to a chemical reaction. And that's basically the, so the, uh, so we started building a nuclear reactor. The first use of the nuclear uh, reactions of just, you know, generating such a large volume of energy was in the use of weapons, unfortunately. And that was the purpose, uh, unfortunately. But then Atoms for Peace was envisioned by President uh, uh, Eisenhower. And then basically we started looking at, like, can we really use this energy for actual uh, peaceful purposes such as electricity production? And that's what happened. And that's how it got started in US as well as in the entire world. The main thing is how to engineer those subatomic level interactions and then basically making a useful product out of it. It's still a, it's just so amazing that how far we have come from such a very, very small scale interaction understanding to be able to uh, uh, harness the energy and basically do something useful with that. Uh, so there are two types of nuclear energy uh, production mechanisms. One is fission, in which basically the subatomic particle goes inside the nucleus and and nucleus disintegrates uh, into two parts. That's what most of the nuclear energy which is produced in the world process, which is called a fission process. The second type of interaction is fusion in which the two small nuclei, they come and fuse together. So such as hydrogen and hydrogen, they come and fuse together and make a deuterium uh, a nucleus. That is the type of interaction that happens in, uh, uh, sorry, that was helium. So hydrogen and hydrogen come together to make helium. That is the type of fusion interaction. That's basically what happens in stars, sun. That's how we get the energy from sun, that fusion uh, energy is generated and then basically that free energy reaches us. So essentially I would say most of the energy that we actually harness or we use in a way is a nuclear reaction. You know, whatever basically how the fossil fuel are produced in this, in this, in this on earth or how the wind moves or how the solar energy reaches, everything is in a way a, related to a nuclear reaction. So most of the energy that we actually get is a nuclear energy in one form or another. Uh, I understand your question was more relevant to the nuclear power, what we see. And that is basically what, what we popularly say as nuclear fission process engineered in the last uh, 80 years to make uh, electricity. That's basically what popularly what we call nuclear power plant. You know, So that's what we, we have. How do you, how does electricity come from that power plant? So, um, so what we, what we, uh, so there can be different fuel forms. 
but basically the essentially the most uh, commonly used fuel is a uranium 235 so uranium 235 is naturally avail available so uh, now that is uh, its abundance is very less abundance by that i mean is that uh, in nature uranium is there in different mines but only isotopic concentration of very low amount 0.7% is basically uranium 235 so you have to mine it you have to separate out uranium 235 you take that and put that into solid or or liquid fuel forms that means basically making solid or liquid fuel types and then basically you assemble it in a way that this reaction is sustainable sustainable means basically that you have enough fuel that this <clears throat> that the the fission process this nuclear fusion reaction process that i just explained that can self sustain itself and if it can self sustain itself then basically that means that i can keep this fuel assembly and then it's going to keep on generating some amount of energy how is that energy being generated so i i pack this in a fuel form and then it's a solid form and uh, the amount of energy that is basically generated it is carried by these atoms uh, you know and they they start to vibrate they want to basically get let loose and go but they are bound in this solid fuel form so they have they do a lot of collisions and when they do a lot of collisions they basically generate heat and that heat is then that comes to the surface of this fuel form and then basically uh, it can be transferred to water or any other you know fluid a gas it can, and then that fluid gets hot that fluid goes to the uh to the uh to a generate steam generator where we basically we can just like in a coal boiler you, here basically we are using that fluid it's all clean uh, uh and that basically clean fuel uh clean fluid can basically go and transfer the energy to generate steam steam goes to the turbine turbines rotate the generator and you get electricity why uranium? Uh, why so, carbon? I mean, it's uh, why is it uh, uranium? Yeah. yeah. So I know uh, I just throw any off. <laughs> no, no, no. That is that is fantastic. That's an excellent question. So for that, we have to get into a little bit on the nuclear physics side, uh, fundamentally. So a a nucleus, if it has to undergo a fission process easily, then it has to be slightly unstable. So such that if I if I if a neutron uh, or which is a subatomic particle goes and enters into the nucleus, it becomes unstable. So there has to be a uh, potential of instability immediately so that it can actually break. If if carbon is that, then carbon will do. Typically, it's very small at nucleus, small atom number of nucleons are very small. So it's relatively very stable. Whereas uranium-235 is one type of nucleus, which we know that basically becomes unstable very easily. And, you know, it can split into two uh, fission uh, uh, nuclei. Or, and then basically, you know, you can sustain the the process by emitting other neutrons which can just keep keep on doing that stuff but that's basically there are other you are right I mean, there can be other materials too it is just basically that this is one of the materials which can achieve a sustainable nuclear fission reaction by itself for a long period of time 
uh, and also basically provide a lot of energy. So, yeah. Now, we have, which a lot of people don't realize, well, I know before I started working here, I didn't know, we actually have a nuclear reactor on campus. I, you know, I'm That's saying right. That, right? Cut it. Yes, so it, it will. Does it work like the nuclear reactors that do the power plant stuff? So it uh, in uh, the reactor configuration is a little different, but principles, fundamental principles are same. So the design and the configuration are is is uh, is different because the purpose is different. There, the purpose is that we have to harness the heat and then you know operate the turbines and run the generator. Here, the purpose is different. Um, here also we have the fuel from solid fuel is in the pool of water. And but here basically we our main purpose is to actually do some training and research on the reactor while keeping everything you know under very low temperature condition you know so because we we are not needing that energy to be harnessed so we don't really need to bring so it's just this core this reactor is submerged in the pool of water so it is always in a very very uh, cold. Uh, condition, you know, so there's a cold water pool, which is above that. So obviously, um, that is not the situation in power plant, because in that we are continuously circulating a fluid, which we can make it hot enough, so that we can make steam or, you know, run a gas turbine or something like that. Yeah. So that is basically the major difference. But physics wise, it has similar fuel form, uh, or a slightly different solid fuel element. And then basically it has also uranium-235. It has uh, uh, the control rods, which basically go up and down to make sure that reactor is under the control of, of, of the operator, just like what would be expected in a, a power plant as well. I, I know public-wise, there's a lot of resistance to nuclear energy. And I think it all comes out of fear of nuclear energy. And so how, I mean, how safe is, I mean, it, to have a, I'm not trying to say, just a nuclear energy power plant. Mm -hmm. Like if we were going to replace Lafayette and Citral or all the Midwest or whatever, and uh, say, okay, we're going to quit doing coal, we're just going to build a nuclear power plant behind Purdue, and uh, we're just going to power everybody with that. How, I think, if, I think people would act, I mean, I think they'd pick it, they'd be so scared. But so how safe is this? So, uh, so first, you know, of course, you know, there is one thing I will say that, you know, uh, safety is very important. You know, safety is important for any industrial process, whether it's chemical process, whether it's your, you know, using fire and or whether it's basically nuclear reactor. It's very similar, right? So the main difference, however, is that what you are used to. In the case of the fire, we see, okay, this is how the fire looks like, right? And we know that this is basically hazard and we have to be careful about it. In the nuclear, the way, um, I, and I don't want to basically say that, uh, we, I think that the nuclear agencies all over the world, they have done a good job in the training program, but I think that basically somehow there has been this fear of the radiation Somehow there has been a fear of the weapons and primarily it might actually be related to that the first use of the nuclear energy was not for a peaceful purpose. 
that might be one of the reason i that's my my thinking of this i i don't know i i didn't read it anywhere so but that's basically my my thinking uh that being said i will, uh, there was of course some incidents you know very few incidents very very few as compared to the incidents if you look at the disasters that we have seen in the in an oil refinery or a natural gas plant so very very few but even those incidents have not directly no nuclear incident has ever directly resulted into a fatality or uh, a uh, you know uh, accidental hazard hazardous condition there there have been situation where the the human uh, negligence could have caused some particularly the context i'm talking about in chernobyl in russia there was a situation where basically you know the the situation became out of control because of lot of other uh, human negligence factors and also uh, mismanagement of the accident situation whereas basically you know nothing like that has happened in anywhere in the world where basically there is a direct impact of the nuclear nuclear power plant accident onto the uh, which has affected directly the humans uh, in general so that i want to clarify that now that being said i also want to point out that we uh, in this country and you know around the world we have done a lot of significant work in the revolutioning revolutionizing the passively safe design of nuclear nuclear reactors what does that mean passively safe means basically if something like uncontrollable you see see that that can happen the reactor passively shuts itself down continues to cool itself without any engineered intervention that's in the design it is inherently built that so the background screen that you see here it is a background of a uh, uh, so there is a reactor blue colored you know reactor core and you know the the, the shielding and then there is a control room so it's a, called it this reactor was called as experimental breeder reactor 2 ebr2 and the ebr2 was one of the safest reactors ever built or which has ever operated the year it was it, it the test the safety test which was conducted on this where they demonstrated that it it can do this you know operators can just walk away and the reactor would be safe the year was 1979 it was just 15 days before the three mile island accident which happened in pennsylvania unfortunately the attention from the media and everything went to that accident then this ultra safe uh, reactor demonstration so and that basically uh, ultimately you know we, we could have actually so far made hundreds of such type of reactors that hey you know we we have found a way to make the reactor ultra safe uh, and you know let us just deploy them everywhere and unfortunately that tension went to that oh there was a incident where there was a uh, some amount of uh, radioactivity release inside the containment it was not something which basically would uh, which impacted in any way to the civilians outside or to the people working on site so 
there was no direct impact, like I said. But unfortunately, the 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 communication was not very um, well holistically. Um, I'm sure that the power plant uh, people would have tried their best, but sometimes you know they say, "Oh, you are trying to." Uh, you know, regulatory body comes in, and then there is some kind of miscommunication channels, and and um, then they you know, oh we don't know what this radiation can do, and you know uh, like I said fire you can see this is a hazard, whereas basically radiation you know there is this uh, and radiation is hazard. I'm not I'm, I don't want to convey that you you shouldn't basically just go walk inside a, a, a nuclear near nuclear reactor core. That is not, you know, that that of course is not going to be uh, a, a good idea. But uh, we we understand it well enough how to be safe as well as basically be able to uh, uh, operate nuclear power plants uh, effectively without any incident. Now, I, most of them I can think of are close to large bodies of water. Is that for a safety thing or for an operational? So, uh, is it a misconception on my part? No, no, you are right. I mean, mo most of the nuclear power plants that have ever been built uh, in, uh, or which were built in the past, they were all basically built on the uh, the banks of a river, or you know, a large lake, or near oceans. That's that's absolutely correct. And one of the thing is that basically, yes, we can always count on this long-term cooling water supply system, you know. Now, uh, that being said, the new designs, which basically we have built, they are operate, they, they can operate or they can dissipate heat even to air and be safe, you know, like, oh. a, so we don't really, the new designs, they are, they, they are, uh, they have the design feature in them that they don't need, like this type of reactor, which I mentioned, it's not, it, it's, I say that that is kind of new because, you know, we didn't build 40 or 100 of them. So, but it's, it's also was built in 1970s. So it's not really very new, but all the design afterwards, they do several designs that we, my, my students, which are researching, always basically we look at that there is no water and you have to dissipate the heat to the air uh, outside ambience. So how are we going to basically be able to do that? And that's, so that's basically what we do. Uh, so that's the research, the aspect of nuclear energy that you're researching now is how to dissipate heat. Yeah, keep on making the reactors which have higher and higher power density. They are compact, and then basically be able to dissipate heat to air. It's not just re I'm, I'm, so. I want to make it clear that we do the, that research, but at the same time, there are already existing and proven designs which can dissipate heat to the um, uh, to the ambience without needing to be situated next to the large power uh, water body and still be safe. So there, there we have already demonstrated those uh, those type of reactors. As we um, are in this push to get cleaner and cleaner energy, how how much how soon do you think that we'll start or will do you think we'll start seeing more nuclear power as an option? So there is an optimistic trend right now because you know earlier it used to be just uh, very much like a government push, you know, and or you know, in, it was basically policy. Policy was there always. People knew that okay, this is a clean energy. I think 
in the last few years, we have seen a lot of private industry coming back uh, and then saying basically that we need it. So for example, there is a plant which is um, under consideration in Texas, Dow Chemicals, which typically needs a large amount of energy for their, uh, uh, for their operations. They typically have that from natural gas. They want to basically put four nuclear power plants and uh, to, to power their, uh, all their chemical operations. So there's a big op uh, optimism coming from the private industry, from the investors on, on this. Uh, so that being said, um, we still have to keep things you know, economical. I think the safety and the, the focus has been for the last 60 years or so, focus has been on safety. And we have done that you know, safe design. I think right now we also basically have to have competitive, economically be competitive. If we are economically competitive, I think that there is no stopping to nuclear power now, you know. So we will be seeing, yeah. Right now, is it more expensive with all the the extra procedures you have to do for safety and, and disposal and stuff? Is <clears throat> all those costs are more expensive right now? So for so for uh, you know uh, I would say the the main thing is that you know anything which you, you are going to build new so like a, a special design of a special kind for demonstration would always be an expensive design because it's only of one kind you know so first of a kind that those things which we are currently building you know at different places there is a plant which is being in, built in Wyoming the site basically that I said in Texas which where the, uh, there is going to be an advanced reactor demonstration, those are going to be uh, expensive. There is no question, but those are going to be first of a kind. End of a kind for those designs is definitely, that's where basically we are seeing the optimism that they, we are ex expecting them to be economical. That's where we will be able to compete with, uh, with the, uh, uh, all, all, types of energy uh, generation mechanisms. So. Uh, and you keep using the word clean. Uh, you've used that several times about clean energy. Um, so nuclear would be classified as clean, whereas I, I assume that solar and wind would also be considered clean energy. When we refer That's to correct. something, if it's not clean energy, is it just combustion of materials putting CO2 into the air? The, yeah, that is one of the that is one of the indicators. So basically, you know, uh, now uh, uh, how people look at the life cycle analysis of carbon emissions that is a one way of quantifying whether uh, energy generation mechanism is clean or not clean. And what they have <clears throat> what they have done is that uh, in case of even a solar panel or a wind turbine, it's not just basically that you know. Yes, the energy from sun is clean. You know, it's 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 a fusion reaction happening. You know, uh, far away, and that energy is coming here. That's clean. You know, but in order to make that solar panel, you have to do a lot of fabrication. Yeah. That process basically is that process. The raw material is that process clean and sustainable. You know, now it is. I won't say that it is not clean as compared to coal. It is clean, but it's not ultra clean. Actually, the United Nations study that came earlier this year, it actually did the life cycle analysis of 
the nuclear power plant versus solar power plant versus wind power plant. And they found that the carbon emissions per unit energy generation for the nuclear would be the lowest amongst all the possible nuclear clean energy sources. Obviously, the carbon emissions, basically, when those are concerned, then uh, natural gas and the coal are uh, quite higher in the in the curve. So, uh, all right, I have one last question. Oh, I have oh, I have okay, you go, you go. Okay. Because <laughs> he's going to roll his eyes. I know. I mean, I'm like, oh, yours is bad as mine. <laughs> How close are we to having a fusion reaction? Fusion reaction? Oh, yeah. no, I wasn't mine. So uh, my honest take on that is that, you know, we, uh, so last year there was a demonstration of a sustainable fusion reaction in a lab environment. Obviously we have had fusion reaction, you know, under the weapons programs in different countries, but in the lab controllable fusion was demonstrated last year. Uh, but that was at a very, very small scale, very, very small scale. So we are far away from actually making it a, a commercial or, or, or even basically a, a, a demonstrable scale where basically we say, okay, you know, here is the sustainable fusion reaction and you are uh, light, you are providing some amount of some finite amount of electricity, you know. It's very difficult to say that, but I think that we are we are uh, quite uh, far away from that. You know, I think there we are few decades to go. Th that's my take on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yours was a much more scientific question than mine. Uh, I just wanted to know when I was going to get a nuclear car. Oh. We have nuclear submarines. When are we going to have cars? Yeah. So, uh, so. Uh, I, I think from a scale point of view, nuclear cars are gonna be, uh, uh, it, it's gonna be difficult because you need to have a critical size of a nuclear reactor. And, you know, you need to have, of course, shielding around it for, you know, you have to basically be able to do the weight balance. Before you actually see the nuclear car, we have to see the nuclear aircrafts, you know, uh, and the nuclear, uh, so I just somebody my, one of my colleagues forwarded the news that one one of the country is building a uh, a, a a ship a uh, a large ship for transportation of the cargoes you know uh, and that's basically would be the type of thing which we will see first so so we are again far away from that you know and I think that I I I have not done the actual design calculations but. You know the car would actually have to be pretty pretty large yeah. if you ask me so uh so we, we we are actually one of the thing that i am working on right now is uh transportable micro reactors so th they have to come up first so like put a reactor in a shipping container on it to wherever you can deliver the power so this is basically something that department of defense army um uh, is looking for so, so for their missions as well. So. Ooh, well, thank you. This has been yeah. wonderful. Yeah, Very cool. exciting. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.